Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 346. We're talking my heritage through my food with Jasmine Sheth of Tasting India in Chicago, Illinois. This is uh, part of the In the Weeds menu meeting fall 2021 campaign. You know, we're omnipresent, so you're seeing video casts from chefs that are that are part of these virtual heritage dinners, which is what we're going to be talking about today. We got video casts with Halo Orgs that are doing amazing work to support the mental, financial, and physical health of hospitality workers. Elle will tell us a little bit more about that. Clubhouses, articles, Instagram takeovers, memes, TikTok videos, anywhere in any way that people across the hospitality industry are communicating. You will find us there throughout this campaign. This is week two of four. All right, with no further ado, I want to bring in L Jarvis from In the Weeds. L, good to see you. Hi, Jensen. Nice to see you. Yes, we see so, we're see we going to see so much of each other. We've already seen a lot of each other. Every conversation we had has been amazing. Good people connecting with good people is, is your superpower, so I appreciate that, and I'm going to continue continuously embarrass you by saying that because i think it's absolutely true and and today is is another representation of that before we uh, get to talking with jasmine talking about these virtual dinners uh give us the quick overview of in the weeds and then specifically kind of this campaign menu meeting heritage dinners kind of connect the dots for us sure so in the weeds we are a national 501c3 public charity our mission is to champion the physical financial and mental health of the hospitality professional and we wholeheartedly believe that a sustainable career and a work-life balance in this industry uh, cannot happen unless all three of those buckets are full so we have been having conversations nationally and implementing resources and programs nationally to be able to support um physical, financial, and mental health uh, across the board. And collaboration over competition is the name of the game with us. And I'm just so excited to be doing this menu meeting campaign with you. Um, Really diving into some of these conversations. Heritage Dinner is our marquee fundraising event um, that we hope to raise enough funds to drive our work through 2022. And, you know, having these conversations before the event, a la a traditional menu meeting, Um, going into traditional service has been really fun uh, to get to know everybody a little bit more intimately and hear their stories. Yeah, because the dinner, we talk about this on Best Served, food is just the proof that you are who you say you are. Mm -hmm. And who you are and your story and your journey, like that's the stuff that gives us the feels. That's what we really want. And sometimes we get so caught up in the minutia of what we do and how we do it. And you're only as good as the next plate up. And leave your shit at the door, smile as part of your uniform, all of those things play into a lack of physical, financial, mental health. I think I can mess up the order. I got to get it together. Physical, financial, mental health of hospitality mm-hmm. workers because if we can't give self-hospitality and hospitality to our team, there's no chance that we can sustain hospitality for the guests. And so that's what these conversations are really about. And then Heritage Dinner is, is 
it's fun to explore and sometimes challenging to explore our heritage. And so I'm very interested hearing all the stories of the joys and the pains that lead to representing yourself, your family, your culinary techniques on a plate. So I'm big, big fan of everything that we've been talking about. And Jasmine with Tasting India. Let's just bring Jasmine in now because I want to hear from Jasmine. I'm very excited to have Jasmine on the show. And Jasmine, good to see you. Hi, everyone. Good to see you, too. All right. So coming to us from Chicago, uh, we talked a little bit before. Been in Chicago since 2017. Uh, came from New York before that. So give us a little bit, even where are you from originally? Give us the trajectory, kind of your personal path and, uh, and the culinary path as well. And then we'll talk heritage. We'll talk the dinner and get into it. Yeah, sounds good. So originally I'm from uh, India. I grew up in Mumbai um, and moved to the U.S., uh, specifically New York, New Jersey area for graduate school um, so back in 20, 2003 now. Wow, that seems like years ago. Um, <laughs> um, but like every good Indian daughter, I went to graduate school for my MBA, um, got a double master's degree, made my parents proud, did the corporate um, job, you know, circuit, worked in advertising for many years in New York. And, you know, I... I think towards the the last few years that I was in New York, you know, there was always, I always felt something was missing. Um, before I moved to Chicago, like a few years before I moved here, um, I ended up getting laid off from an advertising job and was just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And, you know, the stable paycheck and stuff was like obviously so attractive. So I knew I wanted to go back to corporate, but I also knew that I needed something at least to start on the side to kind of keep me interested in life in general. Sure. Um, and so I started, I started cooking for friends and like having dinner parties with no sort of specific aim or goal of like doing this on a commercial scale. Um, and then that was the time where there was like a, a huge boom in sort of these online sort of meal delivery platforms and hire a private chef online and things like that. So um, I started working with a couple of these online platforms and that kind of really blew up to the point where I was like working five days a week at a corporate job and then every weekend doing like two or three events um, out of a small Manhattan uh, kitchen. <laughs> if, the if you can true imagine. side hustle. The struggle, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, and then in 2017, I was very, very fortunate to... Uh, actually be a recipient of the James Beard Foundation Women in Culinary Leadership Grant, uh, which basically was granted to, I would say, I think maybe about 20 or 24 female chefs across the U.S. Each of them would be paired with one restaurateur who, um, you know, obviously uh, was very successful in their own right. And it would be sort of this externship where you could choose whether you wanted to learn about the restaurant industry in the back of the house or front of the house or you know, what have your events or, you know, whichever areas interested you in. Um, I had never worked in a restaurant before. So, you know, this was like completely new for me. Um, and not to mention that the opportunity was not in New York, it was in Chicago. So I literally had to move in gotcha. like two weeks, I had to pack wow. one suitcase, move in two weeks, it was a city I had never been to, I didn't know anyone here. So my first weekend, we were in a hotel room trying to like, my sister came with me and we ran around the entire city trying to look for like sublets and apartments to stay in. Um, and it was the Chicago Marathon weekend. So literally everything that could go wrong was going wrong, basically. Wow. Um, but what? that was basically the start of, of 
you know, moving what, into what a way the to acclimate you to, for better, for better or worse, getting thrown in the fire like that <laughs> is the unfortunate norm of this industry. So you learned a lot about being in the hospitality industry just by the fact that you had to upheave your entire life and, mm -hmm. and make this massive, massive shift. So I can appreciate that. A couple of things I want to want to unpack from what you said, because that you, you highlighted a, a very classic first generation immigrant story scenario, yeah. right? Where it's like, you have to go, education is the unlock to potential to the American dream. You have mm -hmm. to be a doctor, you have to be an engineer, right? You have to be somebody who comes out of your double masters with six figures to have achieved something. And so that can be a struggle. Often then, even if parents say, work a blue collar job and said, I worked hard my entire life so you wouldn't have to do this. And then you see sometimes people come back to their heritage. They come back to the, the connections around the table, the foods yeah. that made us feel like we were at home. Uh, and sometimes there's immense pressure within the family to not go on this path. So I'm very interested. What was it like when you said, I'm going into this field that doesn't hold a lot of gravity in the Indian culture? right? Uh, as a professional. So mm -hmm. break that down for us a little bit. I'm very interested in what the, the family yeah. interactions were. Yeah. And as you were asking me these questions too, and I've been kind of reflecting the last couple of days, reflecting back on my sort of journey from, you know, growing up in Mumbai to going to grad school to doing the corporate uh, stuff. You know, the more I think about it, the more I feel like I have been in the most fortunate circumstances. And I know that that's a privilege to say that, too. But, you know, I've been so lucky to have a family that is completely 100 percent supportive of, of what I want to do Great. more so and have more confidence in me than I ever have had in myself. Right. So in 2017, when I had this opportunity to change careers um, and move to a whole new city and make maybe a fraction of the money that I was making. It was my parents and my sister and my partner who were the driving force behind me making that decision and saying, okay, yes, I'm going to do this. Because I was always the one that was doubting myself. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. It's like too much out of my comfort zone. I'm not making any money. And, you know, being in that sort of corporate rat race, that becomes sort of your daily dialogue is, is the money. How much money are you making? How much are you saving? You know, what are your assets? And, you know, how much can you buy type of uh, stuff? And, you know, I kind of lost myself a little bit in that. And when my parents and my family pushed me to take this opportunity, now that I look back at it as hard as it was, and I cried the first two months that I was here and working imagine. 16 hour days, getting home, like every bone in my body aching because I had never done that type of work before. Um, you know, it was, it was really their confidence in my ability to, to do this and really find myself no matter what it was that I would end up doing that kept me going. And, you know, when I think back, like my, my father has, my parents have always, yes, they've always stressed the importance of education. I remember growing up, my mother would always say, I don't care what you end up doing in life. As long as you graduate with a master's degree, <laughs> after you, after you've graduated, go ahead and do whatever the hell you want, but you've got to get a master's degree. Right. So yeah, education was of huge importance, but my dad was always the one that was kind of motivating us to think of what is our long-term goal? What's our end goal? And I'm not, you know, I won't speak for my, my sibling, but for me, like, I never really got the reason why he kept pushing us to do that. And I was always like, well, I have to, I have a lot of time in life to like figure out what my end goal is. Like, this is when I want to experiment and like see what I want to do. And, 
he was always like that's fine but always have like an end goal like what what's your exit strategy from like where you are if it's not making you happy you know so i think when the when the transition happened it sort of all those pieces fell into place and i'm like ah oh, this is what he meant by saying yes. what's your end goal sage um, advice from your father all right here's what yeah. we need to have happen we need to make sure that that your sister and or family if we can get time zones <laughs> and tech to to line up that they're on the uh the virtual hangout for that dinner because i would yeah. love to hear the story of your family saying yeah we just said go for it because we believe in jasmine we believe yeah. in her ability to manifest any destiny any reality that she wants and and i appreciate what you said because self-worth and self-doubt is something we grapple with so massively in this industry absolutely and and, and we <laughs> I mean, that's that's our mission is to amplify the worth and work of those who feed their community. The work is hard. The worth is the hardest part of what we do yeah. because, you know, there's this there's this polarization of food can change the world and it's just food. Like it just mm -hmm. goes here. So like we grapple with that and we struggle with that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Elle, I, I saw the reaction that you had when she's talking about every bone in Jasmine's body hurting 14, 16 <laughs> hour how, how does that feed into amazing story, by the way? I know El, we were both moved <laughs> by Jasmine's trajectory and journey, but that part of it, Jasmine, like getting into the industry in that way, it's something we're trying to break the norm of that type of pain to get initiated. Yeah. What's yeah. your reaction there? How do you feel about that? How is how are you trying to mitigate some of the reality that Jasmine was just highlighting for us? Yeah, sure. So I love everything about her whole story. Like her side it. hustle became her main hustle. Dad's always know. My dad always mm -hmm. choose your career before your career chooses <laughs> you. Um, and when I was listening to Jasmine talk about this as her second career and like learning and being in the restaurant and like you can't move. I started cooking again when the pandemic started because all my mm -hmm. consulting contracts were canceled and I mm -hmm. took over the kitchen at my parents' yacht club, which is, I call it a small boat club because yachts can't actually get under the bridge to get there. <laughs> um, and I was like straight at, during the summer is awesome. I was cooking my food. It was beach food. The summer people were there. As soon as the summer people left, I was literally flipping burgers and poaching hot dogs. Um, but the first few wow. weeks of like getting back into the grind of line cooking I don't think I showered for like three weeks because I had just could take baths. I didn't have the energy when I got home to stand in yeah. the shower. I had to like draw a bath with Epsom salts <clears throat> and just like lay there. Um, getting back into it because I feel as though I, you know, grew up in the restaurant, a private chef for so long. Then my second career was consulting. And then I had fall back on cooking when the pandemic started, but physically, um, it is, it's absolutely exhausting. And then you try to like wake up the next morning and being a functioning adult. And, um, <laughs> I think what we're trying to do with in the weeds is uh, eliminate this like grind culture of, mm -hmm. you know, you're not working unless you're bleeding. Like that mm -hmm. is so, so not, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Yeah. Like you can build in labor models that, um, aren't so physically draining. So then there is actual energy to look after like paying your bills on time. So your credit score goes up and mm -hmm. you know, being able to check in with your therapist or just like going for a walk with a cup of coffee and looking at your neighborhood dogs and not feeling like you have to sleep until a half an hour before your shift starts. 
Yeah. Hard work and, and hustle get conflated with bleeding out of the eyeballs to prove that you have the grit, that you can hack it. And so I think there's something there. We just we blur those lines because you are so busy that you can't separate the reality from the facade that you sometimes have to put up in food and beverage to create that unique memorable guest experience so really appreciate that all right jasmine i want to talk about i want to talk about food let's talk about food yeah. i'm very excited tasting india first let people know uh, if they're in chicago if they want to get their hands on some of your food how would they go about that outside of the dinner and then let's talk about the dinner and the food that you're serving there but tasting india how can i experience that if i'm in chicago yeah for sure i would say uh, if people are interested in tasting india first and foremost definitely follow us on instagram it's tasting underscore india it's um, the place where I usually uh, release all of the new menus, announcing new pop-ups, you know, all of those types of things. And then you can, once you're on um, on the Instagram page, you can click on our uh, link in the in the bio and sign up for our newsletter. That's the other way that we announce our new menus. Um, so when we started Tasting India last year, or when I started, I don't know why I always say we. I feel like it makes me feel like bigger than I am. Um, like you have was, a mouse in your pocket. I do that. Yeah. I'm like we, 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 we. I'm like, do I have a mouse in my pocket? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have to like train myself now to you know consciously like say I. And there is a place for we because obviously you know, I couldn't have gotten where I am with Tasting India without the help and support of a lot of people. Sure. But for the longest time when I started Tasting India, I would say for the first six months, it was literally just me. Um, I was creating the menus. I was posting, I was doing the social media marketing for it. I was sourcing all of my ingredients. I was prepping and cooking all of them. I was packaging them. I was slapping labels on each and every container right. and I was delivering all the meals. Um, so it was a lot. It was um, like a 70, 80 hour work week, I would say. And it just never stopped. You know, I would like sometimes wake up at three in the morning with a list in my head being like, shit, I didn't, I didn't scratch this off the list. I need to get it done now. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's how it started. But um, it, the, the concept was really trying to highlight different Indian regional cuisines, right? So, okay. you know, Indian cuisine is, it has not had its moment like, you know, other sort of ethnic cuisines, which are in the mainstream now. What people know and understand about Indian cuisines is probably your 9.99 lunch buffet of sure. curries and stuff. And nothing wrong with that. Those are delicious dishes, but that's not all that Indian cuisine is, right? Like I, when I grew up, my parents instill that sort of sense of adventure in every single way, right? Travel, eat different things, you know, meet different people, have the hard conversations, all of those types of things. And that's what I want reflected in the Tasting India meals. So each week we highlight a different region of India. We build out what we call a thali. A thali is really literally translated as a round platter of food in India with multiple components. So the most elaborate thali right. could have as many as 25, 30 components. Um, you know, the most minimalist thali can have as much as three components, but it's always a few different things that go together as a whole meal. And so... Our thalis almost always have about five components. And then we have additional add-on dishes that are outside of the thali concept that you can add on to your order and stuff as well. Um, so, so that's really what Tasting India thalis are about. It's, you know, it, it's really trying to showcase to people that, you know, there is so much more to Indian food than, than we realize. And, and through this journey, I've realized a lot of 
folks that come from India as well have had a background from, you know, in India, you know, maybe their parents came from there or they grew up there like me and then immigrated to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Their view of Indian food is also extremely limited. So a right. lot of the Kali's and stuff that I've done, people are like, wow, I never knew like Assamese food could be this delicious, for example, or, you know, that Gujarati food, which is, I'm from Maharashtra, but my parents are Gujarati, that food could have so many different variations of dishes. Um, But what we really, you know, what is really showcased and represented in mainstream sort of Indian restaurants is really just the North Indian curries, which as delicious as they are, are, um, they do such a disservice to the rest of Indian food. I I am so excited right now. Because <laughs> you ra- you rattled off several uh, words that I didn't understand, and I'm yeah. so excited about that. I am going to follow up with you. I will make sure and learn about those, and that's what I love. I just yeah. love I love learning, and yeah. Indian food is not monolithic. I've learned that more and more as somebody who did not understand that mm-hmm. uh, a country of <laughs> billion people has a diverse diverse food background and so i think of you know floyd cardoz was the first chef that made me think about it yeah. when i started to explore a little bit and and t- took that opportunity and then any places that he said to go try or dishes try i made sure every time i was in new york i went and tried those those dishes uh i think there's there's something really important chef rosh also somebody who's a friend of the show is talking about cindy cuisine it's like i don't mm-hmm. i've never heard of Cindy cuisine and now I'm learning about that and that's what you're creating an opportunity to taste across India and doing it in a way that is thoughtful it's creative it's also engaging because you're making it okay like even for me as a student of culinary to admit that I don't know what you just said is important because sometimes we get so caught up in like oh I know everything about food oh I've had Indian food we don't open ourselves up to learning more and more and more and so we just order the thing that's the safest you see that play out in cultural food as well as just American food so I appreciate that you're making it exploratory and engaging so it allows me the opportunity to learn something new and not feel stupid for not having known already but feeling like this is my opportunity so thank you for that uh i want to take the last couple minutes l please give us the stats on the dinner when is the dinner how do i get to it i need everything that jasmine's talking about in my life (laughs) if i'm in chicago which now i wish i was in chicago and then jasmine i want to take the last couple minutes and have you tell us about the specific menu but l how do we get uh, connected with the dinner Sure. So this is the Central Standard Time, which will be the second dinner that we do. So everybody's in for a treat because we'll get all the technical kinks out in the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is on October 17th at 6 p.m. CST. You can go to our website or the link in our Instagram bio, uh, www.intheweeds.us slash let's dash party. Smash that uh, get my ticket link. Um, you click on uh, Chef Jasmine's, uh, you can see the whole menu um, and definitely check out um, Chef Melissa from Alma in New Orleans will be part of this dinner as well. So if you're in New Orleans. Um, you're oh, cool. To- We're going to have Chicago, New Orleans. We have some India. I, I am so excited about yeah, that. It's going to be real. It's going to be a great, great event. Um, you can add on a shaker and spoon tidy martini kit. 
you can um, uh, order a bottle of Junipero gin to make those martinis with right on their website. Use code in the weeds. It's 10% off. It's free shipping straight to your door. Uh, you can add on a supplement of Chamacoy's communion caviar if you want to elevate yes. the experience. Um, and if you're not in Chicago and you're not in New Orleans and you just want to be a part of this conversation, and just donate $5 and you get the link and come hang out with us and have have dinner with us on the internet. You, you tell you can tell Jasmine is going to tell some great stories that evening <laughs> uh, about all kinds of things. And if we get the family on, it's going to be it's going to be out of control. I'm, We're I'm, definitely going to try to get them on. Yes, <laughs> right? my, my parents get a huge kick out of this type of stuff because they, you know, they hear their name being mentioned and they hear me saying that they were right. So. <laughs> oh, two things parents love seeing their children win at life and being acknowledged for the fact that that's, exactly. that was all me. I made sure that Jasmine was ready for this uh, venture in life. So I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Three courses to taste through India. Uh, where are we tasting in India and what are the dishes that uh, you're going to be representing for this dinner? Yeah. Absolutely. This was uh, a menu I was super excited to put together because it ties in sort of, you know, my childhood, all the memories I grew up with. My my mom is the youngest of 11 brothers and sisters. So wow. needless to say, all of our holidays were centered around food with like six or seven aunts cooking the most delicious food that I've ever eaten. And there were definitely uh, 25 so, items around the tali because for sure. everybody had to show off their, their favorite Absolutely. dish. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's like, you know, multiple courses that are all eaten together, a little bit of everything. So it just all comes together really, really well. So I Is wanted to showcase that in this menu. Is it a little of bit competitive? Course. Okay, I, I kind of figured. <laughs> I love yeah, it. at the at the end of the evening, you know, your favorite aunt will sort of come to you and nudge you and be like, you know, you need to like make a speech about my dish today. And <laughs> especially now yeah, that you're the uh, the famous American uh, chef in America, now you have hardly. even more. Clout. But yeah, it was definitely fun times. But what I wanted to highlight for the menu is uh, sort of my background, right? So I'm a Gujarati. Um, Gujarati is sort of a you know specific sort of religious sect, I guess. Um, and uh, one of the things that we eat um, in our cuisine at the start of the winter or the autumn uh, is this, this dish called undu. And it's basically um, a, a mix of like different sort of fresh seasonal root vegetables uh, and this really sort of savory, unctuous green garlic, coconut and cilantro masala. It's all cooked together in that and it's just out of this world. And it's it's really just eaten during the winters because in the winter you wanna, you know, the concept behind the dish was it has a lot of fat in terms of oil, the coconut and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the reason behind that is in the winter you need to sort of insulate your body and, and protect it from the cold. And so all the fats help you do that. <laughs> um, so your so cooking the, tend to have more coconut fat than say ghee and, and more... Uh, it has a little bit of everything. So really, okay. depending on uh, the region of India that you're talking about, will the, the fat used will differ. So in the south right. of India, you they use a lot more coconut oil. It, it, okay, gotcha. In the south, it's tends For to be us, the Gujaratis, it's a lot of ghee. Um, okay. But this specific dish has ghee as well as coconut. So best of everything. <laughs> all, all the fat. It has all the fats. Yeah. I know Elle's excited the about fats. that dish because Elle talks about being obsessively seasonal. She is obsessed yeah. about it. So I could tell with yeah. the root vegetables and all the fats. Elle, my, Elle brain will... is, my brain's right now, I'm like, it's going to rain tomorrow. So there's yeah. this 
huge sumac tree right down the street from my Ooh. new little um, shack on the beach. And I'm like, I got to get to that sumac tree before it rains tomorrow <laughs> because then they're just going to be toast for the rest of the fall. Oh, yeah. Seasonal. Yeah. All right. That's so what awesome. else is, what else is on the menu? What else can we expect? Yeah. And then for dessert, we're doing these really sweet, uh, creamy saffron truffles that we call peda. Um, peda can be made out of literally anything. We make pedas or truffles, like round balls out of um, whole wheat flour. We make them out of pineapple. We make our semolina, a huge number of variety in that. Um, but these saffron pedas are made with um, koya, which is basically the product that you get from boiling milk down for hours on a really low flame. So it, milk almost becomes like a creamy solid. Um, and that's what we use as the base for this truffle. It's scented with saffron and cardamom and sprinkled with some nuts. And it's just the best end to a meal of this sort. And for, for an appetizer, we're having what I ate every Sunday morning for breakfast in my house was uh, rice and lentil steam cakes um, that's sprinkled with a, a really what we call chatpata, which is sweet, spicy, savory uh, spice blend. Uh, it's sprinkled with that and, and it's going to be paired with a mango uh, pickle, sweet mango pickle. I, I like everything that you're saying. <laughs> I, I like how much you just mentioned one of my favorite things uh, about Indian food is that that sweet, sweet, savory, salty, mm -hmm. spicy, like it hits all, it just melts your face off with like flavor. Mm -hmm. what, what I, what I learned very early on from, from Indian food when I started exploring it was like, it was known for how, like spicy, like Thai food sometimes, same thing. And it's like the nuance of the flavor is there when you look at these regional types of cuisines and these dishes, yeah. but sometimes we said we just want to be spicy because we expect Indian food to be spicy. I, the best Indian food I've had is, has not been spicy. It has been heavily spiced and well-developed and it leaves you tingling in multiple different ways of that sensory experience. So I can really appreciate the fact that you mentioned that. Cause I think that's important because sometimes people are yeah. like, I just want a spicy curry. I was like, yeah, that's good. That's just not the con yeah. the full experience that you can have from Indian cuisine. So uh, yeah. I'm excited. I think excited. that's the biggest distinction that people need to understand and appreciate is that spices does not mean spicy. Right. Uh, it just means a lot more flavorful. And mm -hmm. there is no such thing as a curry powder. So I wish people would stop saying that. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. That's a whole other episode we can talk about yeah. <laughs> curry spice because I'm with you there 100%. So I appreciate yeah. that. We'll, uh, uh, we'll... The, the last thing I do want to mention Please. is that for folks that are not going to be in Chicago to experience this meal um, uh, in the city, can also experience a little bit of Tasting India via our, our website. Um, we have a line of uh, Indian-inspired spice blends that we also uh, sell, and that ships nationwide as well. So they can experience uh, Tasting India via that too. Not only do I like that you're doing that, I like that you have the entrepreneur mindset to make sure and <laughs> let people know where they can find what you're working on because yeah. we need to support each other as, as small For business sure. owners. And so I appreciate that. Excellent use of the plug. That is an important <laughs> thing to be able to do and do My so. My dad will be so proud. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Jasmine Sheth of Tasting India in Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much. Looking forward to... Uh, to your dinner appreciate you we'll let you go jensen l thank you so much for having me thanks All for right. being here yes jasmine sheth awesome love that and especially love that you you have to innovate you have to create diversity of revenue streams i'm a big believer of cpg consumer packaged goods jasmine great job on that you have to be 
omnipresent for people. So, uh, once again, let people know the date of the dinner and, uh, and make sure that people connect to this dinner. L, any last thoughts from you as well? October 17th, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, www.intheweeds/let's-party. Um, bunch of different options. Uh, the other chef is Chef Melissa from Alma in New Orleans. Uh, just amazing talent. Really excited to see her food as well. Ah, so, so good. Uh, yeah. L. Another great, uh, another great show, another great chef, another great story, another great heritage on the plate. So appreciate that. We'll, we'll let you go. We got a lot more content coming, everybody. You'll be hearing, seeing a lot more of L from In the Weeds throughout uh, the next couple of weeks. So L, you have a great rest of your day in your shack on the beach. All right, go I'm get that sumac. Go I'm get that sumac. All right, I'll see you later. Cheers. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode. Besser Podcast 346, My Heritage Through My Food. That's this whole series when we're talking to chefs for these virtual dinners because it's all about putting yourself, your family, your history, your culture on a plate. The better that we do that, and more importantly, the story that we tell to be able to get to that point and to be able to have people truly experience what you and your people have experienced, I think is so, so profound. That's what can move you through food. And as I always say, food is just the proof that you are who you say you are. I want to know who you are. And that is it uh, for this episode. Please, everybody, keep tuning in to all the content across all the channels from video cast to audio podcasts on Anchor, Apple, Google, wherever you get podcasts, to articles on besserpodcast.com's blog. You can find TikTok videos, reels, Instagram takeovers, all of the content everywhere that you are. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.